Holly G with the Golf Insiders for this edition of Tour Talk. It was a big win for Max Homa on Sunday at the Wells Fargo. And to break it all down for us, Bob Herrig from SI.com. So, Max, Mad Max, uh, he's been a favorite of mine for a while. Uh, tough conditions these guys played in. Uh, really, most of the tournament at the TPC in Potomac, Maryland. Uh, it was wet, it was cold, it was rainy. I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun watching these guys have to battle it out in the elements. Yeah, it turned out to be a really good tournament, a nice win for Homa. Uh, his third now, I believe, in his last 30 PJ Tour starts. So that's a you know a 10% victory rate, which is pretty good in these, in these times. And and he's really kind of, you know, emerged as, as I think, a next-tier guy. He's, you know, he's not cracked the upper tier. Um, I don't think he contends enough. But he's, you know, he's, he's won twice in this season. He won last year at Riviera. Um, he got his first win at, at the Wells Fargo at, uh, in Charlotte a few years ago. Uh, so, you know, four wins in three years, pretty good. And, you know, he's probably going to be knocking on the door for a President's Cup berth, U.S. President's Cup team berth. And I would think he'll take a good bit of confidence into the PGA next week. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, 31 and said, I just feel like I'm coming into my own. I'm starting to believe in myself a lot, and that's all I can ask for. You know, we talk about this week after week, Bob, and just so much talent. It's so deep. And how, you know, how critical it is to get yourself in position uh, on Sunday and then not fall out of position, which Bradley did, uh, you know, starting the day with a two-shot lead and then gave it away on the par five second hole. Um, you know, a couple of double bogeys, really hard to win when you do that on Sunday. No doubt. Very hard, very hard, uh, uh, you know, to, to make two doubles in a round and, and win. And, and yet he still was in there with a chance. I mean, Homa made a mistake or two. Uh, you know, Keegan, um, Keegan actually played the best of anybody on Friday and Saturday when the conditions were their worst. Um, I think the scoring average on Saturday was like like three plus strokes over par, and, and Keegan shot 67, which was three under. You know, so he beat the field by six shots. And then he gave it all right back right away early Sunday, and was you know he's trailing after two holes, and uh, that was unfortunate for him because he played nicely at the Players, uh, you know, a couple months ago. He gave himself a chance there. Um, he's sort of been trending that way. He's, uh, you know, obviously trying to get in the U.S. Open. Uh, and, you know, he's from Vermont, New England area. The U.S. Opens at the Country Club in Brookline, so he, he dearly would like to play there. And he's put himself in position now because he moved into the top 60, uh, and there's a top 60 cutoff after the PGA. So he he took care of that stuff, but um, you know he's got to be frustrated that he wasn't able to prevail. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And and Keegan was a a, a one of the few to win uh, a major uh, in his rookie start back in uh, 2011, right? Yeah, exactly. He's one of the rare guys. He won a major in his first, in his first try. 
And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Ben Curtis did that in 2003 at the uh, at the Open. And then you have to go all the way back to Francis we met uh, at the two, 1913 U.S. Open. Like, it's... Wow. It's pretty rare to win a major having never played in a major. And uh, so um, uh, that's that's a, a claim to fame that Keegan has. And uh, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think anybody's done that since. I don't really – I don't think so. Um, it's, uh, you, know, you know, even a guy like Colin Morikawa, who's, who's – um, who's uh, won a couple of uh, majors at a young age already, at least had played in a few. So, um, uh, and then, you know, he won a WGC event too, uh, Keegan did. He won at Firestone, like I believe in 2013 or 12. And um, he won in Dallas, won to Byron Nelson. Um, but, you know, I, the, the thing that's killed him is the anchored putting. That was his style. Right. And he's really not, he's really struggling. Now, he's finally putting better. He, he, he started using Phil Kenyon, who's a putting guru, late last year, and he says it's really helped him. And he, he was really happy with the way he putted last week. But, you know, it's been an ongoing struggle back and forth for him since uh, the, the uh, anchoring rule went into effect in 2016. And I talked to him about that actually earlier this year. It just came up, and, you know, he just shakes his head. He's like, you know, I – I've got my, my old belly putter, and it's sitting right there in my house, and I'll look over at it sometimes and go, you know, you know what, why can't I use that thing? You know, like it, that, you know, you, you, uh, uh, when you look back on it, you know, that was, that was a very, very tough decision that was made. And, it, you know, I, I get it. I understand that maybe we don't want people to putt that way, but there were a lot of people, and Keegan might have been the best example of someone who kind of came up putting that way. Yeah. You know, agreed. he didn't go to it as a crutch, which some guys, you know, I'm not knocking them, but like Ernie Els and Adam Scott, you know, right. they, they kind of went to that because they were they putting lost poorly. It. They lost the touch. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, you know, um, best to him. He's got, you know, uh, he's got another shot next week at a major and, 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 uh, you know, hopefully he gets another win here soon. Well, we'll turn to that in a, in a minute. But uh, the big news that broke yesterday was that the PGA Tour is denying waivers to play in the first live golf event, the Saudi-backed rival league and uh, saying that it's in the tour's best interest. Big, bring us up to speed on this, Bob. Yeah, it was a big news day uh, Tuesday. I mean, earlier that day, you know, Greg Norman announced that, you know, they were getting a $2 billion infusion. $2 billion. Yeah, with B, B. Billion with a B. Starting in 2024, when they plan to launch the league, which is the Live Golf Investments Tour that's backed by the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. And, you know, if anybody's done some research into that Sovereign Wealth Fund, it's, you know, $2, $2 billion is like you and I peeling off $2. <laughs> yeah. Not, not, not that much to them. And uh, so, um, and, and also they, they had come out kind of surprisingly to me, actually, with... Um, 
you know, they, they, they said they had 19 top 100 players set to play in their first event next month. And I thought that was curious because I knew that the releases hadn't been made official yet. And sure enough, later in the day, the tour came out and said they weren't going to be um, giving any, which sort of goes against their grain. They've typically given them for overseas events. And, you know, you know, hate to use the analogy, but they clearly drew a line in the sand that they are they are not going to aid the live golf uh, you know entity in, in any way. They don't want to help them get off the ground because they see it as a threat. And frankly, it is a threat. You know, they have plans to form a league with 14 tournaments and you know what 12 uh, four-man teams. And clearly, despite what Greg Norman says about not having any issues with the PGA Tour or you know allow it. Or play, you know, having no problem with players doing both, you, you would have a hard time doing both. You know, you, you'd have to choose. And so the tour's kind of laying it down now. Now, the, the interesting thing is, is, I think you could still go play that London event and not really get hurt that badly by the tour for defying their edict. You know, uh, they... Explain more about that. Ban- I, don't, I can't see them banning you over it. They've allowed it in the past. You could state your case. Look, I just, you know, I wasn't going to play that week anyway. It's one overseas event. I'm typically allowed three. And, you know, maybe they'll get a fine, you know. Now, the ones, though, that sign contracts that might get upfront money, they might find themselves in a little bit more of a difficult situation. Guys like possibly Phil, Sergio, Lee Westwood, those guys are probably getting money just to show up in addition to the prize money, which obviously is immense. So, you know, um, where that falls, I mean, are some of those guys willing to just walk away from the PGA Tour and never play it again or put up with several months suspension? And, you know, I think that's what we're about to see. It's going to be really, really interesting to see how this – and then, you know, you have this whole issue of the Tour not disclosing penalties. Do they change their mind on this? You know, some of these guys are clearly going to do it. And they're going to say, look, you know, I, I'm, and, and maybe we, you know, we might see the lawyers get involved. Even though the tour does require releases, if you've not asked for one this season, you're, you're not doing anything wrong asking for one. You know, like, why would they deny it? So they might have that, you know, going for them and fighting them on it, and the tour might slap them on the wrist, especially some of the lower-level guys. You know, people brought up uh, Garrigus, the first one whose name came out. Right. So Garrigus, in theory, just like all players, has been not denied a release. Well, Garrigus is probably not eligible to play Canada. Correct. Num- which is the conflicting event, the Canadian Open. I don't know that his number would get him in. So you're going to say to him he can't go play somewhere else? You know, that's where they. This is that's where this all becomes muddled to me. And you get and, into, uh, you know, quote-unquote restraint of trade to some extent, given that the tour continues to claim they're 1099 guys. Right, and, and they are. They're independent contractors. So you can play this both ways. And Norman has clearly said and believes and has lawyers on his side saying, as an independent contractor, you should be able to play wherever you want. On the On the other side, though, if you join any organization, if you go to work for anybody as an independent contractor, they might have rules. 
that, that prohibit you from working for somebody else. Now, maybe it's you can't work for so-and-so while you're working for us the same week, you know, or maybe it's, hey, in this three-month period, we need you totally devoted to us. So, okay, you, you sign the agreement, so then, then, then you agree to it. But if they were to keep you from working for somebody else when you're not working for them and you're getting paid as an independent contractor, golfers are only paid if they perform and play. Correct. You know, and so, so they're not getting a salary. They're, they're not getting guaranteed money. They're not employees. So, but yet there are other things about tour membership. You know, they do get benefits. There is the, there is the pension plan. There's all sorts of tentacles in this thing that are really, really hard to sift through. Everybody's got an opinion. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure either side knows for sure who would prevail if this thing went to court. Well, we know, uh, where Greg Norman is rolling the dice. He said, quote, the tour is intent on perpetuating its illegal monopoly of what should be a free and open market. The tour's action is anti-golfer, anti-fan, and anti-competitive. But no matter what obstacles the PGA Tour puts in our way, we will not be stopped. We will continue to give players options that promote the great game of golf globally. You know, listen, when you when you, you read it like that, hear it like that, he's, he makes he makes some points. I mean, who says the PGA Tour is is the is the be all end all to golf? You know, I mean. Um, who gave them that right? This is why I have an issue with a major denying a guy from playing if he's eligible. So that means you're going to go by what the PGA Tour says? You know, I mean, that just, that to me doesn't, that doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, you want the best players in your field if, you know, for example, uh, Phil is eligible for the PGA Championship. Sergio is eligible for the PGA Championship based on his Masters win in 2017, you're going to deny them because they decided they wanted to play somewhere outside of the PGA Tour? See, that that argument to me has some merit. Now, the Tour's argument that they have a right to set rules for membership also has merit. You know, I think. You know, I just, I, you know they're, they, uh, and, and they very smartly and truly control media rights so that they can extract rights fees from networks and sponsorship fees from from title sponsors because you have to be able to assure these people that you're going to have a field that you're going to have players so it's really it's really a confusing muddled thing and and you know i'm i'm guessing this is going to be very very disruptive here for quite a while you know they've got eight events scheduled this year they've got five in the u.s the first one in portland is the uh, first weekend of July, so that will be here before you know it. Um, in in the, there's you know if they are not giving releases to an overseas event, they won't give releases to that either. And the the penalties for that are far, should be far more severe because they've never given them. So what happens if you want to go play there? You know, or does he just have a field of Asian Tour, Sunshine Tour, Japanese Tour? Uh, Corn Ferry, even Corn Ferry guys need to get a media release because, you know, the tour, ha- you know, if this thing is streamed or on any kind of TV, they have to get permission there. That would be very interesting to me if they, if those guys are denied, 
are you going to deny a guy who, you know, is, you know, struggling along to make money a chance to make a lot of money? It's, it's, I find the whole thing really fascinating. Greg Norman also said that the first event at the Centurion Golf Club in uh, London will be streamed live on YouTube. So it looks yep. like they are lining up media partners, which is not surprising given, you know, the many options out there. Something that I've noted, Bob, uh, recently is putting my marketing hat on now, uh, that NBC has co-branded with the PGA Tour when it's doing its telecast now. Have you noticed that? Yeah, they changed the logo, and that's, they've done the same with the LPGA. Um, and uh, um, I find that yeah, very interesting from a branding well, perspective. I mean, when this whole when the uh, when this whole thing went down, um, you know, with with the new rights deal, um, the it, it became quite apparent that the tour was was becoming more heavily involved in, in, in the TV part of it. You know, they've got a they've got a company that is actually doing the production. And so it's the tour doing it, you know, at all events. And then, you know, obviously the, the networks still have their own people. So, you know, and it's they clearly are, you know, trying to push their agenda, which is to, you know, make it a you know, you, 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 you could see possibly one day the Golf Channel becoming more of just the PGA Tour network, you know. And, um, you know, we have that with other sports. There's MLB and NHL and NBA. And, True. You know, Golf, golf Channel was more, was more autonomous, but it's, I don't think it is as much anymore. And so it's, it's a strange world we're in right now, you know. Um, uh, it, it puts Golf Channel in a tough spot because you know they're they have a huge investment in the PGA Tour. Um, you know, I've, I've had people say, "Well, why don't they cover this live golf thing?" Well, they're not going to do that. You know? Hell no! They, 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 you know that that would that that would not be a good move on their part. Uh, I'm not sure that YouTube is paying live golf a rights fee. I think they're giving it to them. I think they just want the exposure to start out. They might stream it on their on their own website, and frankly, that's probably the way to go. They need to they need to just capture, the, the, you know, show people what it's all about first. And uh, I'm sure they're going to have some growing pains. It's hard to pull this all off as fast as they're trying to do it. All right. Well, we uh, have the Byron Nelson beginning tomorrow, the last uh, event before the PGA Championship, which is next week. A uh, pretty stout field here. Uh, an announcement: uh, Brooks Kepka was withdrawing from the Nelson, from the Byron Nelson this week. No reason given. You know, he said uh, back somewhere earlier uh, in the year, Bob, that he was in the best of best of health he's been in quite a while. But it doesn't seem to sound that way with what's been going on. He missed the cut at the Masters. Any updates? I haven't heard anything official. I heard unofficially that he might have been having some hip issues again. Um, apparently, those were bothering him at the Masters as well. He missed the cut there. Hasn't played since. Um, I reached out to try to get something. Haven't 
gotten any answers. Um, you know, it, it doesn't sound good that, that, you know, he missed the cut at the Masters, hasn't played since, was going to play this week, and now isn't now withdrew. You know, um, how sharp can you be next week if, if you now you've gone five weeks? So um, it's uh, he's he's just having a really tough time here, staying healthy the last few years. It's crazy. I mean, as good as he is, and you know, we'd we'd consider him a contender in every one of these majors if he were fully fit. Absolutely. And he, and he seems to go into a lot of them not fully fit. Uh, you know, last year, you know, we forget when he, he finished second to Phil at the PGA. You know, he he had had issues. You know, he was barely walking at the Masters where he missed the cut, and he played the week before at the at the Nelson and missed the cut, and then he shows up at the PGA and almost wins. It was pretty remarkable, really. You know, he really he had, he had had a very light spring of golf. He, he um, you know, he won in Phoenix, and then he finished second at the WGC in Bradenton, and then he had a mishap. He had an accident right before Bay Hill and injured his knee and was like, you know, had some sort of a procedure done and, you know, barely, you know, made it through two rounds of the Masters, and then he almost wins the PGA. I mean, he's, he's got some resiliency about him, that's for sure, but... You know, it's hard to ask a guy to be competitive if if he's got a knee issue, or in this case, it sounds like a hip problem. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of guys like to take the week before a major and tune up their game. So we've got a pretty pretty packed field here. Um, your thoughts on on the Byron Nelson and uh, who uh, who's on your radar, and who do you see that? Uh, you know, really could use a win here this week. Yeah, you know, they've got a nice field. I think they have uh, seven of the top 15, four of the top 10. Um, you know, Scotty Scheffler's playing. Jordan Spieth, obviously, is from Dallas. Uh, I like him a lot this week, actually. The first one he ever played in as a, you know, our first tour vendor was 16 years old. Yeah, different 2010. Course. Hard to believe. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he was top 10 at the same venue last year, and he puts a lot of effort into trying to win this tournament. So I kind of like him uh, this week. I think a guy who could use a win is Dustin Johnson. Mm. Hard to believe how long it's been since he's won. You know, and he had a so-so Masters, and he missed the cut at Hilton Head. I believe he's been married since. He hasn't played. Um, It's kind of time to get it back in gear, I'd say. Rory, who we thought was the... You know, lead horse last week did finish 68-68 Saturday and Sunday. Um, could be trending in the right direction before uh, the PGA next week, Bob. Yeah, it's a shame he let it get away from a little bit on Friday. You know, he just kind of got too far back, and he he. I don't think he can be disappointed in in a pretty good weekend there at a golf course he had never seen. 64 final round of the Masters. Um, you know, I, I, I got to believe he feels pretty good about his chances for next week, you know. But we've said this a lot about Rory. He won his last one in 14. He really has not contended very often on Sunday. He's not really been there. You know, he's backdoored some top tens and some top fives. Uh, you know, in 18 at the Masters, he was in the final group with Patrick Reed. Uh, but he... He, uh, he missed that short eagle putt on two to try to, to get close and never really got close again. 
You know, he didn't even finish second at that. So he's we 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 expect him to be there, but he's not been there a lot. And and through all different sorts of you know ebbs and flows of his game, you know, on the top of his game, not on top of his game, uh, you know, a favorite, sort of under the radar. None none of it's really mattered. So. We'll see. I, you know, I, I think Southern Hills probably suits them. I think warm weather suits them. And it uh, looks like it's going to be a good week weather-wise next week, at least so far. So, uh, and, and he goes in with some confidence. I don't think that hurts. And it's one of Scotty Scheffler's favorite golf courses, Southern Hills. He played a practice round last week. And he's, you know, playing in, in Dallas this week. Could be another one-two punch from Scotty. Who knows? It's so exciting, Bob, as we get ready for the second major of the year next week at Southern Hills. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. As always, we thank you so much, Bob Herrig. Read all of his great columns on SI.com. Thanks, Bob. Thank you.